Hi, good morning, Mosaic. We are really glad that you're here. My name is Kurt. Last week we talked about um, interruptions that, that create opportunities. Uh, interruptions have a way of irritating us. Um, I was driving down Q Street the other day. I've lived here in Lincoln now for six months. I had the first angry Nebraska driver honk at me. Um, it, I thought I had escaped all of that, leaving New Jersey. Um, and it was all because I think, I think what happened is I, I was turning left and I didn't have my blinker on um, because I didn't know that I was you know, going to turn left. It was kind of a last minute decision. And, and maybe I tapped the brakes a little too soon, you know, and then I turned left and it was just like, but it wasn't just a horn tap. It was that, <clears throat> I mean, it was like lay on the horn. Um, and if, and if you know me, if you've driven with me, I, Here's where I can fool people. I, I seem to be pretty calm, but just lay your horn on me, and that, you, I'm going to lose it, especially if I didn't do anything, right? That just that drives me up a wall. And so I, I turned left on, what was it, maybe? I don't know, 12th, maybe? Um, and, like, I was ready to turn the car back around and get back on Q Street and follow that person, because I'm like, this person needs to hear it. Um, and I'm going to give it to them. Yeah, you know, and it's going to feel good. Um, and somehow I'm going to set the world right by doing this. Um, and like, I was irritated. And uh, it was in that moment that, that yes, the, the preacher had to allow um, the words to meet him. Okay, irritation here, interruption. Um, and we talked about um, Jesus being near to us in the midst of, of those interruptions that irritate. And in that moment, I kind of caught myself and I said, Spirit of Jesus, you are close in this moment. Um, would you minister to my anger right now? Like, I, I, need, I need Jesus. I need your ministry in my life. And would you, would you minister to my anger that I'm feeling right now in just this irritation? And it was a beautiful moment. It, it actually, like, wow. Um, and I was able to drive, and everything was good. Um, that's what we hope you're awakening yourself to, is that in these normal, ordinary, everyday moments, there's more going on. Um, than just what's at the surface. Uh, and then it was, it was funny, because then yesterday, I was driving down 16th Street, which is a one-way, and I see these two headlights headed right for me. Oh, I'm like, wait a minute, someone's coming right at me, so quick, you know, change lanes. And I think, I think she, because it must have been a woman, right, making that mistake behind the wheel. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My goodness, it was him. It was him. He was driving the wrong way, but I think he caught himself, and he turned off the road. So, you know, in that moment, I was like, good, all right? We're all learning how to do this together. This is good. Um, yeah. But today, today, we want to talk about just kind of this ordinary thing that we feel often, this sense of, of I'm hungry. Um, but, you know, we hunger at more than just the body level. Uh, we want to explore the connection between hungering both in soul and body, and how those two things are very much connected with each other. Um, and so let me just ask you the question this morning. Let's kind of get a sense of what's going on in the inside. What, what's your hunger right now? And I'm not talking about lunch this afternoon. But, but what's your hunger? Is it, is it some sense of affirmation? I, I need people to notice me, and I need people to somehow affirm that, that I'm a person. 
Um, maybe your hunger right now is, man, I, I need to see the bank account elevate a little bit, right? Like it's just, it's too low. It needs to get up there. Um, maybe your hunger is, I just, I feel uncomfortable right now and I, I'm, I'm hungering for comfort. I just need comfort. Maybe you're hungering for some sense of, of revenge, you know, like somebody has wronged you and, and, and that person needs to be called out and that person needs to almost kind of not only be put to right, but maybe even suffer a little bit for maybe some suffering that they've brought your way. Um, what is it that you're hungering for? I'm hungry, you're hungry, we're all hungry people. We're hungry in the body and the soul. So let me ask this question for us. Um, When we talk about body and soul, so a lot of times um, we tend to think of ourselves as, yeah, I'm Kurt, I have a body, and I have a soul, right? Um, I have this kind of, and we think about, well, what is a soul, right? If I were to ask you that question, what is a soul? Some of you say, well, I, I have one. And maybe it's like this white little tissue paper that's kind of, it's got like a little yellow glow to it, you know? And it kind of like floats around inside of me, you know? So I'm I'm a body with a soul. Um, What I want to encourage us to do this morning is is I want us to kind of flip it around. And um, first and foremost, know that, that you are a soul, right? That there's this part of you um, that is incredibly precious that can... Um, be brought to life or that can slowly die. Um, It can be rekindled um, or the flame can go out. And at your core, that is who you are. And it just so happens that you as a soul also are intertwined in this body. There's this tradition that's told um, amongst Jewish people, and um, you know this little part right here under your nose, this little indentation right here? Um, in, in Jewish tradition, they'll tell this story. You'll see it. I think I have a picture of it up here on the screen. Um, kind of in Jewish tradition, um, it's said that before the divine um, takes your soul and implants it kind of in that womb where your body will be knit together, um, that your soul is such this precious incredible, intimate part of who you are, Um, that as it's going to step into this world where there's so much brokenness, where there's so much hurt, where there's so much pain, but yet God loves to invite others into the work of renewal and repair with him. And so that's why he he takes your soul and he puts it in the body so that he can um, invite you to join him in what's going on, that, that the angelic beings actually take their finger and, and press it against your lips as a way of saying, your, your soul is so precious that you're not going to be able to even speak of it. Um, and so there's this very real part of you um, that is, is really who you are. Um, the soul is the life pulse within us. The soul, it's, it's the very thing that gives us the energy for the day, right? To get up and, and go do what needs to be done, to, to face what we need to face this week. Um, the soul, it, it makes us alive, you guys. It makes us alive, but it also makes us one. The soul makes us alive, but it also makes us one. 
And, and this is why we can speak of the soul coming unglued, right? Some of us will, will think about that, you know, like my soul is coming unglued or my soul is falling apart. Um, my soul is, is hungry and it needs to, to be properly fed. And so all of us with that, that sense of, of hunger that's there at the soul level, that impacts the way that we actually then interact with how we feed our bodies um, in the midst of all of our ordinary days. So Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine, this song called Hunger that she wrote, the very first verse, she, she speaks these words. She says, at 17, I started to starve myself. I thought that love was a kind of emptiness. And at least I understood then the hunger I felt, and I didn't have to call it loneliness. We all have a hunger. So, so the hunger that she experienced at the soul level, not to be lonely, but to have real, true, meaningful love and relationship, affected the way that she interacted then bodily with the way that she would or wouldn't eat. And so for, for Florence Welch, in a sense, her comfort food was kind of just not eating and doing away with it because then at least this, this hunger at the soul level, I could redirect it to a hunger at the body level. Now, for me, you know, I was fired into this world and like, oh, man, I was, I was ready to eat, right? I mean, and so we're kind of fired into this world, you know, there's this fire in the soul. And when I was a kid, um, every morning I had to start my day with ego waffles. Any other Lego My Ego fans in here, right? Oh, man. I mean, like, like when I was a kid, that was the way to start my day, right? I was hungry for life. And it probably wasn't so much the Eggo waffle that I wanted more than the syrup, you know? I'm kind of one of those guys who it's like, hey, would you like some waffle with your syrup? Um, yeah, you know, and, and eventually, though, as I kind of began to grow up, I'm like, yeah, this probably isn't the best way to start my day. And as I started to think a little more abstractly as a teenager, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, Eggo waffles all the time, all this syrup. It just wasn't, you know, like I'm trying to play sports as a high school student. It's like, yeah, this isn't the best decision here. Um, but I realized, actually, like, that choice was actually um, because of this deep desire I had just to be comforted in life. Like, at the soul, really what I desired more than anything else was comfort. And so my choice of Lego, Ego, waffle with, like, syrup, like, that was a great comfort food. Um, and then, like, you know, eventually uh, went off to college in the city of Chicago and there was um, this Mr. G's. Is Jeff Miller in the room? Where are you, Jeff Miller? Right there. Jeff, Mr. G's, you know it well, right? Jeff and I went to the same school in Chicago. And, man, you could get this great cheeseburger and fries and shake for like two ninety nine. It's like 3 bucks, right? Somewhere around there. Oh, it was the way to go. Um, but, yeah, in the midst of like difficult studies and stuff and just figuring out life as a college age student, you're like, Mr. G's, bring it on, bring it on. Um, it, was, it was a great way just to bring comfort. And so... Um, all of this is happening where I'm realizing like choices I'm making as I sit down to eat throughout the day are really speaking maybe at a deeper level to what's really going on at my soul. And so Mosaic, our, our hope for you this week is that as we continue to wake up to these ordinary days that are before us, that you might pay attention 
um, as you kind of interact with food during the week, what is that saying about what's going on at the deeper level of who you are as a person? Um, Our body, we're at our healthiest um, over the long haul, really because of a lot of ordinary but well-intentioned meals, right? I mean, like, you just got to eat your vegetables. You just got to do it. Like, we're at our healthiest because of a lot of ordinary but well-intentioned meals. Um, And vice versa, we can be at our unhealthiest because of a lot of quick fix meals, right? Um, But that's very true of our soul, too, right? And and that's what we're doing this morning. We're exploring both the hunger at the body level but also the soul level. That our soul is ultimately fed not through a lot of quick fixes, which let's be honest here, the reason we're talking about this is because a lot of religious institutions tend to want to offer us quick fixes because they know ultimately that that's what we're drawn to. But Jesus wants to give us something deeper than just a quick fix. This is why in John chapter 6, which um, wasn't it great that John is reading from the Gospel of John for us this morning? Wow. Amazing. Um, but, but the Gospel of John chapter 6, Jesus is, is saying these words of like, look, I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread, like, you, you won't be hungry. And, like, they're complaining to each other as they're hearing this, and they're like, and then John didn't keep reading this far, but eventually at the end of the passage, there's a number of people who are listening to Jesus, and eventually they're like, this teaching is just way too hard for us. Um, and so they kind of left. They're like, I'm checking out. This is, this is just too much. Like, we need something that's more tangible. We need something that's more of a quick fix. But Jesus is trying to invite them into this life that's kind of stepping away from quick fixes into real nourishment. I hope I'm not losing us this morning. This is one of those weeks where, you know, sometimes, let's be honest, if you're you're in the kitchen and you're preparing like a really good meal, it it gets really messy, right? And you're like, what's going to come of this? I kind of felt that way preparing this message this week, Right? Like, there's just all these thoughts that are going on, and it's just kind of this mess on the countertop as you're trying to put this outline together. But stick with me. Stick with me, okay? Um, because the meal at the end is going to be really, really good. It's going to be really, really good. And, and if we begin to discover just how good it is, we're going to find our souls being, being fed in amazing ways. Um, as a culture, as a culture mosaic, we are in a struggle with what it means uh, to be profoundly and holistically nourished in both body and soul. We're in a struggle. Um, desire is always stronger than satisfaction. Desire is always stronger than satisfaction. And, and ultimately, how we work out our Christian spirituality, and really any spirituality... Any, any religion, all right? And, and I always tell people, life's too short to pretend we're not religious, um, all right? Like, if you hear somebody, like, if you're talking to your friend, your coworker, your neighbor, I'm, I'm not religious. Well, okay. Um, honestly, whether you're at church or whether you're at the mall or whether you're at Memorial Stadium on a Saturday, like, those are all the things that we do. Religion at its core, the, the Latin word for religion, is it really means how we put back together all of the loose ends that we experience in the world. And, and all of us are trying to tie up the loose ends, 
We're trying to put the world back together so we can drop the facade that, you know, you're religious and I'm not. Like, we're, we're all religious in some type of way. We're all trying to pick up the loose pieces, the loose ends, trying to find some meaning, some direction. And so spirituality, religion, including Christian spirituality, it's ultimately about what we do with this desire in us, right? This fire that's in us. And that fire, it's, it's in your soul, guys. Like, we're, we're fired into this life with, like, this this divine source of energy, right? This divine source of energy that fired up this world in the first place. And you and I kind of now as, as a body containing this soul, we have this fire burning within us. And so we're fired in with all of these desires. But what do we do with these desires? Ronald Rollheiser, um, he's, a, he's a Christian writer and theologian and he says a lot of us, the way we deal with our desires is really can maybe be expressed in, in kind of three different stories. Um, Janis Joplin, right? Janis Joplin, great singer, um, artist, performer, yet died at the age of 27, restless, tired, worn out, um, but filled with so much desire. Mother Teresa, filled with so much desire, but the way that that fleshed itself out was in the slums of Calcutta, literally giving her life away um, to the poor and the oppressed that were there. Desire, the, the Greek root, eros, erotic. Both of these women were erotic. Janis Joplin, in her way, um, Mother Teresa in her way. But most of us, as we live our lives, we're probably more of a Princess Diana, right? We want, like, we want the best of everything, right? Yeah, we, wanted, we want to engage in this, you know, but let's be honest, we want some of this too, you know? And so we kind of we play here in the middle. Um, and so many of us, you know, and so many at the time of Princess Diana's life and death, so many drawn to her story, I think because in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm a guy, so it's tough for me to say, but if, if like, I know for, like, who didn't want Princess Diana's life, right? I mean, like, she was definitely invested with, like, some great work over here, but, like, she had the best of this over here, too. Um, and a lot of us were in that wrestle, so where do we go from here? Um, it's, it's not by accident that Jesus, before he um, was crucified, um, before he then uh, was resurrected and ascended into heaven, was sharing a meal, was sharing a meal with his disciples. And I know that we say these words often here at Mosaic, but I hope that as we say these words together again, as we hear these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I, I want to pull out a couple of things to give us a little more understanding of just how do we channel this hunger at the soul level in, in right, healthy, appropriate ways. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So Paul's saying, look, I received this from the Lord, and now I'm going to pass it on to you, church at Corinth. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given 
thanks. Now that word there, the, the Greek word is the word um, Eucharist, to give thanks, Eucharist. Um, it's, it's a thanksgiving that, that, man, we can give thanks that there is a body that has been given for this world that in some way is going to nourish the hunger that all of us feel at that deep soul level. And so this is why when we recall those words of Jesus, like, look, um, I have a bread, like I'm the bread of life. And if if you nourish yourself on this, um, you're not going to be hungry or, or your hunger will be satisfied. Your hunger will be satisfied. It's the word Eucharist. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so ultimately, Jesus is saying, Look, give thanks because there's this bread that's for you that's going to that's satisfy you at a deeper level. And, and by proclaiming my death, you're actually going to be reoriented with your life. That all your, Although life, in a lot of ways, we're fired into life with this desire, this madness to experience things, ultimately all of those desires need to be channeled through the cruciform way of life, right? Through the death of Jesus. That ultimately life is about letting go, relinquishing, um, crucifying the, the desires within, and so you, you need to do this often because not only will you experience satisfaction, but you'll remember that ultimately the death that Jesus faced as you proclaim this death is what your life is being invited into. It's a cruciform way of life, right? Relinquishing, letting go so that you can grab a hold of what God has for you, so that you can grab a hold of what the journey is that he's planted before you. John chapter 6, 48 through 51, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And I think maybe we've talked about this here at Mosaic before, but when the Bible speaks, especially when Jesus is speaking about life and death, he's not talking about static categories, right? That either you're alive or you're dead. We tend to think of those things as these static categories. Jesus uses much more dynamic kind of thinking, right? That as you learn to come and feast on him, that actually either life will be building in you, renewal, repair, satisfaction, hope for tomorrow will be building in you, Or there's kind of this slow death if you choose other things in the midst of your desire and hunger. There can be this slow death. And so for Jesus, life and death are not these static categories, but they're much more dynamic than that. Was that somebody falling asleep? I hope not. All right. Guys, um, why do we do this? Why do we do this here at Mosaic each and every week? Um, this, this Eucharist, this thanksgiving. This is a, this is a thanksgiving that, 
God, thank you that there is something that satisfies who I am, a soul, even before my body, in a deeper way than I can understand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This is a Thanksgiving meal. Um, the Eucharist, it keeps us energized, you guys. It, 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 it illumines that flame of the soul, but it also keeps us integrated. Because this week, as in every week, you will feel your soul come unglued. You will begin to have it fall apart. That's what life does. Life is hard. But every time we come to these tables, guys, we're giving thanks that thank you, God, that in some mysterious way, this satisfies in a way that I can't explain. And it it rekindles that flame, but it also integrates me together. Now, the mistake is, is this. Um, You can't explain this, like you can't explain it too much, right? It's like a kiss. If, you know, you, you have this first kiss, right? And it's, oh, man, you know, and it's like this magical moment. And if you want to kill the magic, try to talk about what's going on scientifically there, you know? Like, it's just, you'll kill the moment. Stop it, you know? And so, this is kind of this, it's, it's this mystical, magical kind of feeding that happens. And so, if you're like me, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I struggle with this as a pastor. I could handle a Sunday brunch by myself, But yet, I I come and I gather with this community together, and like, I'll be honest with you, the reason I come, ultimately the pinnacle moment for me, and I hope the pinnacle moment for you is this, because your soul is going to be experiencing this kiss from the divine, and your soul is going to be healed, and it's going to be affirmed, and it's going to be nourished and integrated and made whole again. And when you come to these tables, there's all kinds of thoughts that go through our mind. Well, am I worthy? Should I be doing this? Am I ready for it? And maybe that's where you need to remember, like, you know how the angelic beings, they take their finger and, and like, press it against the lips? Like, just stop. And just allow yourself to come to these tables and say, man, there is something happening here at a deeper soul level that's going to energize me and reintegrate me to go back out into the world to do the work of healing and repair that's needed. Um, So a couple things, guys, as we close. Jesus' meal, like every meal, it's an ordinary opportunity for thanksgiving that our souls and bodies bodies can be nourished. Um, But how? Number one, through ritual more than rush. Now, I know ritual can be a dirty word, kind of like, oh, ritual, you know? Rituals are not alive or dead. Rituals are rituals. You know, some people say that's a dead ritual. A ritual is a ritual. It's not alive or dead. It's the person engaging with the ritual that's alive or dead. So, so if this becomes kind of a dead kind of static thing for you, like I just feel like it's something I'm going through, it's probably you, the worshiper, that needs to come alive and recapture the moment of what's going on here. In acknowledging Jesus, you speak in a language and in concepts that I don't totally understand, but I'm going to believe you, and you invited me to come and eat of this bread of life that satisfies at the deepest level, so I will. 
Um, and so we engage in this normal, ordinary ritual every time that we gather. And no, it may not give us a rush, right, like some aspects of worship do. Um, Eugene Peterson, he said, there's little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Religion in our time has been captured by a tourist mindset. We go to see a new personality, to hear a new truth, to get a new experience, and so somehow to expand our otherwise humdrum life. But we want to kind of move away from that, guys, especially those of us who have grown up in kind of um, evangelical cultures. Let me just be mindful of like what started long, long ago. Actually, in some of the first revivals, there was this guy um, by the name of Lorenzo Dow. He was an, an early American evangelist. Um, he would smash chairs, and he would arrange for trumpet blows during his preaching. And it was a way of, like, kind of stirring, like, you know, kind of building this fire, right? I mean, but let's be honest. I mean, it's, it's real easy. Like, even in a lot of modern church today, it's real easy to, like, no, we don't smash chairs and blow trumpets, but we do some other pretty crazy stuff, right? It's like for, we're looking for the next rush, like, this, this was early on in our culture, right? Charles Finney, uh, he was the father of um, American revivalism in the Second Great Awakening. Um, he would evoke pictures of, of smoke, of the torment of sinners in hell, as a way of prompting his audience to see this in, him, in, in themselves. You know, and I mean, and, and the masses would like, they'd be drawn to this. But we're turning our backs on that and we're saying, no, 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 no. Jesus, you, we don't need a rush. We need to wake up to what you're doing right in our midst all the time. When we come together for this meal, in any meal, it's an opportunity to give thanks for the nourishment that's here. Second thing, how do we, uh, how does this become an ordinary opportunity for Thanksgiving that our bodies and souls can be nourished? Um, through commitment to communal sharing rather than consumer fixes. Um, There's a lot in modern religious culture that promises to um, affirm our values, give us a buzz, meet our needs, Um, and and it gives us a quick fix, but in the end, it it leaves us hungry. Um, And so, guys, my, my hope for you is this this morning. Just whatever your hunger is, whatever you're hungry for, is it certainty? Is it comfort? Um... Is it money? Is it control? Um, would you allow Jesus to, to satisfy you at that deeper level? Would you allow him to rekindle the flame of your soul and, and reintegrate it? That you would be sent from here um, more healthy than when you came in, more whole than when you came in. So I want to invite Evan up, and uh, as Evan prepares to lead us in this last song together, um, Mosaic, my hope too that is that as you go out into this week, um, allow how you interact with food around you to maybe point to a deeper level of what's going on at your soul. I've, I've found myself this week desiring a lot of eating out where I didn't have to prepare it. And it was as I paid attention to that, um, it began to disturb me because, number one, I don't have a lot of money to eat out all the time, right? Like, I think it's expensive, and I don't want to spend all my money that way as much as I love to eat out. 
But I found myself wanting to do that because I didn't, I didn't want to put in the time and work to prepare it. And I think a lot of it is because really at the soul level, and I love all of my friends who are on vacation, and I love, and I'm looking like, have you ever looked at social media and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to go on vacation. I want to be there, all right? This is like the worst time of year for it. And I found myself like, my soul was like, I just want to get away. I just want to get away. I don't want to do work. And Jesus met me in the midst of that soul hunger because I was paying attention to my food choices and just wanting to eat out all the time because I was looking to be a tourist and get on vacation. But it wasn't time for that yet. There's still work to be done here. There's, there's things that God is calling me to do here, and I needed to be nourished at that deeper level. So pay attention to every meal that you interact with this week. What is it saying about what's going on at your soul? And how do you recapture that sense that Jesus can satisfy your soul in a way that only he can? So I apologize if I've rambled this morning, Mosaic. Thanks for being patient with me. felt like it was getting messy in the kitchen, but I hope that in some way you... Um, you leave here more whole and integrated and alive than when you came in and paying more attention to what's going on and how you eat all your meals this week. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this moment before us, uh, this magical, mystical moment where you invite us to come and to quiet our hearts, to quiet our words, to quiet the voices in our heads. And you invite us to just simply partake and allow ourselves to be nourished. I pray for each of us um, that as we take this bread and dip it into the cup, that we would hear your voice speaking to us, this is my body, which is for you. And this cup is the new covenant, my blood, which is for you. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are made whole. And now go. Go into the world and continue to pour yourself out. But do it from a healthy place, from a nourished place, from a place of being fed. So God, thank you. And we come now humbly, quietly asking that you meet us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.